history uh, of tradition and myths about the Magi and who they were. You know, we sing the songs, We Three Kings, and things like that. Uh, The nativity scenes have the Magi there uh, bowing down uh, next to the baby Jesus in the manger. And so there's a lot of, uh, you know, I don't know, traditions surrounding the Magi. So I thought it would be good to see what we could actually learn from the Bible about the Magi, uh, setting aside the tradition part and, uh, you know, maybe making some assumptions, but just making sure we understand that that's what they are uh, when the Bible is silent. You know, if I were to ask you, who is Melchor and Gaspar and Balthazar? Um, You might know, well, those are the three magi. Well, we don't know that. Um, But if you give them a name, that's what tradition says their names are. We don't really know uh, what they were called. We know there were more than one of them, uh, but we don't know there were three. And the reason uh, they are traditionally shown as three uh, is because they offered Jesus gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So there could have been two of them, and they each offered a little bit of each of those gifts, or there could have been 20, and those are the three kinds of gifts we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. And did you know uh, they didn't come to see Jesus when he was in a manger? And that is, I know, so disappointing to some of you. Um, Because uh, when we taught our kids this when they were little, uh, one of my children, we won't name him right now, but um, he put the Magi way far away uh, because he said, yeah, they don't get here for a long time. And... um, Yeah, uh, the Bible doesn't say they were kings, and the Bible doesn't say they rode camels. Uh, Though it's very likely they probably did, um, it isn't mentioned how they arrived, uh, only that they did arrive. And so who were these mysterious magi, and what can we actually learn about them from the Christmas story? And just that really applies to our life today. You might think, well, man, there's not much said about them, is there? I mean, you know, is there application there? Well, we'll have to see as we look at it. Most likely, they came from the area of Babylon or Persia. Babylon is pretty much due east of Jerusalem, uh, across the Arabian Desert. Uh, Persia is... Uh, would be northeast of Jerusalem, uh, just skirting the tip of the Arabian uh, Arabian Desert. Uh, We're talking about 550 miles away. So they probably came from those areas for reasons that we will explain in a moment. But let me just read to you uh, the one text that really mentions them specifically in relationship to Jesus' birth, and that's Matthew chapter 2. Verses 1 through 16, and this is what the Word of God says. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes and people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what 
what has been written by the prophet and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go, search carefully for the child. And and when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their country, own country by another way. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. And he remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very angry and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Now, I just looked at this and I could see about 11 facts about the Magi that really each one of us teaches us a lesson. And so we're just going to race through these and just point them out. First, the Magi came from the east. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is ignorant of the fact that their long-awaited Messiah has come. Think about that. Think about the, the, the Jews' expectation that they would have a Messiah, and now that Messiah has come, and they're ignorant of it. But some guys, some magi, show up from the east, Babylon, Persia, and they know about the Jewish Messiah, but the Jews don't know about the Jewish Messiah. Think about that one. That's, um, sorry about this. I guess I need to do this, right? Yeah, sorry. The sound system's kind of, uh, it's got a kink in it. And you think to yourself, well, well, how did they know? How did they know Jesus was born? I mean, who told them? Did they read it, you know, on the internet? Why did they come to worship him? Who told them that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah? Why did they know about Jesus when most of the Jews were clueless about the the Son of God being born in a small town just south of Jerusalem? I mean, who are these guys? Well, here's my guess, and this is just a guess. 
In 605 BC, the Chaldeans, led by King Nebuchadnezzar, came and captured Jerusalem, taking many of the Jews captive. Among them was Daniel, a, a young man, and he was trained in all the learning of the Chaldeans and distinguished himself eventually as chief and ruler among all the magicians, conjurers, diviners, sorcerers, and soothsayers. And he was not one of those himself. He was just put in charge of them. Of course, Daniel is one of the godliest men mentioned in the Bible. He is really one of the few men in all the scripture that no sin is mentioned about. He was a prophet. He received visions, dreams, and direct revelation from God about the history of the Jews and Gentiles from that time all the way until the Messiah's kingdom. During parts of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Belshazzar's reign, and Darius's reign, Daniel was the chief of all the wise men. Surely he trained those under him about the God of Abraham, about God's prophetic plan for the future, and about the coming of the Messiah. Now, he wrote prophecies about all of these things. He wrote them down. They're in our Bibles. And surely he told other other people at that time. And so my guess is that he probably taught some of the wise men there about the Messiah. And though it doesn't seem like uh, they had all of the law of Moses just from the statement they made, for instance, uh, they came and they said, where is he to be born? When they showed up in Jerusalem, they didn't know. So they didn't have those latter books in the Old Testament. They didn't have those ones written towards the tail end. Those were, were, were not at their disposal. So maybe they had everything up, you know, the law of Moses and the Pentateuch and the history, but just not the latter minor prophets. Uh, it's at least the book of Micah because they didn't know where he was born. Where, where he was to be born. And so I think the Magi were probably descendants of Daniel's disciples, but we can't know for certain because the Bible doesn't say. Secondly, the Magi knew about the birth of the Messiah. Look at verse 2 where they're saying, where is he has been born king of the Jews? This is amazing because the Magi are more aware of what is happening in Israel than the Jews. They know the king of the Jews has been born. They don't really know exactly where he is, but they show up. And when they show up, at this time, Jesus is about a year and a half old. You're thinking, well, how do you know that? Well, we'll get there. But Jesus is not a baby in a manger anymore. They've traveled a great distance to find the king of the Jews. And I imagine they're thinking, man, when we get there, he's going to be sequestered in some palace, in some guarded room, because the Messiah is going to be there. And when they show up, they say, where is he? And everybody looks and says, what? And they don't even know. He was born, as Tim mentioned earlier, was in such humility that they didn't know. They didn't know. It's like, what are you talking about? They didn't know their own Messiah, Savior, Redeemer, and King had been born. The one prophesied about ever since Genesis chapter 3, all the way through the scriptures, they didn't know that child had been born and was close by. 
It could be God spoke to them directly and told them about things. It could be that Daniel left them some prophecies which we don't know about. But one thing is sure. They know the Messiah is born. Third, the Magi followed a supernatural star. Look at the middle of verse 2 where they say, For we saw his star in the east. Now don't get confused here. They were from the east and they didn't see his star in the east. In that it wasn't east of them. They lived in the east and living in the east, they saw his star in the west. But from the east, they saw the star which led them west. If they were in Babylon, they would have had to go northwest, west, southwest, south, southwest, and then south. Because they would have had to make an arc around the Arabian desert. If they were in Persia, they would have gone southwest, south, southwest, and then south to Jerusalem and made a slight arc around the tip of the Arabian desert. You just don't go traveling through the Arabian desert. And get this. It's 550 miles away, the east. I mean, that area, Babylon, Persia, was considered the east. Now, if they were traveling, they had to travel this huge distance, and they had to follow the star. Well, if they had to follow the star, and they had to follow the star in the ark, that that means the star moved. It's amazing when men assume that God doesn't exist or that the supernatural can occur. They try and find, well, maybe it was a comet and maybe it was a meteorite and maybe it was a supernova. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. It moved in an ark to Jerusalem. I mean, that's pretty clear. We know this, that... That it moved them. What's interesting is it is it led them in an ark to Jerusalem, not to Bethlehem. Think about that one. Why is that? And it disappeared. And you say, well, how do you know that? Because verse 10 says they rejoiced when it reappeared. So God had a purpose. Why did God do this? God wanted them to come into Jerusalem to get an audience with Herod and say to Herod, the ruler Where is he who is born king of the Jews? So that Herod would go, what? Now, you need to know, Herod is psychotically jealous. I mean, history explains that if you just looked at him cross-eyed or glanced at his throne, he'd kill you, even if you were a relative. He, He was psychotically jealous. Now imagine at this time when he's kind of dropped out of favor with Caesar, how he felt when these guys come. Now, the Magi had to have some clout. You don't just get an audience with Herod. You've got to be a person of some substance, some wealth, some dignity. And so they get an audience with Herod. They show up and said, we've come to worship your king. And so when you read the story and he says, so when exactly did you see the star? What's going on in Herod's mind is, okay, I got to find out exactly when the star appeared so I can kill every baby in the vicinity that's anywhere near that age. Go find him that I too may come and worship him. 
is just a bold-faced lie. He's out to kill the child. And Satan is going to try and use him to kill the child. The Magi asked Herod, thinking he would know that the Messiah had been born. He didn't know, but now he did. And Herod, according to verse 4, gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people and inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Now they all know too. Because now he is brought in to this bit of incredible knowledge, not only that he knows the Messiah has been born, now he brings in all the Jewish leaders and says, all of you, go find where he is to be born. And verses 5 and 6 say, they said to him, well, it's in Bethlehem of Judea. And they quote Micah 5, 2 to him, at least part of it. They left off and his goings forth are from long ago, even from the days of eternity, because that would make it seem like the child was God. So they left that part off. And so everyone now knows the Messiah has been born and they're without excuse. Now, if you know your geography, Bethlehem is almost due south of Jerusalem. The star then reappeared and moved due south. And they followed it one more time, not just to Bethlehem, but to the very house where Jesus was staying. This was a supernatural star. Some have proposed it was an angel. Some have said, well, it was a supernova. It was uh, some sort of natural phenomena. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was a miracle. His star is no ordinary star. Look at verses 8 and 9. Herod sending them away to find Jesus. And the text says, And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went their own way. And the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them, leading them south, until it came and stood over the place where the child was, the very house. It was a supernatural sign from God. For the Magi worshiped Jesus as the divine son of God. Look at the end of verse 2 where the Magi say, we have come to worship him. Now, who, who do you worship? God. God. You worship God. Some, it's so interesting to just read things. I mean, you have to be really careful if you, you know, Google something. The, a lot of people say, oh, wow, well, these uh, were members of the Zoroastrian cult. It's like, no, they weren't. They have just sacrificed to come to worship the Messiah. That, that's not cult. These guys have some inside information. And so even though Herod was exceedingly jealous... The Magi, they don't really know this. They they're, they kind of come going, well, oh, I guess you don't know about this. They got inside information the Jews don't have, and they live a long ways away. And surely when they showed up and their entourage and asked, where is he to have been born as king of the Jews? Herod must have just totally freaked out because he's he's on the decline with Caesar so his position's in jeopardy, and now some child and these real high-up people have come to worship him. Worship him like God. I think it's important to just realize the Magi did come to worship him. 
For if the Magi sacrificed traveling far to worship Jesus, look at verse 7, then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And we know that they came from the east, a reference to this distant place 500 plus miles away. That's a long way, even by camel. There was no planes then. There was no Southeast Airlines. It was walking, mostly, unless you were somebody, and then you got to ride a camel. And these people seem to have some sort of entourage, although it's not mentioned specifically, when you are going across on a long journey and you're carrying with you expensive things like gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and you're high up enough to get an audience with the king, then you just don't do that alone. You go, as the picture up there on the screen shows, with an entourage. So we're talking about a three- or four-month journey that they probably made. Look also at verse 16. It says, Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined for the Magi. This tells us the Magi had known for about a year or a year and a half that the king of the Jews had been born. We know this because in Karen's conversation with them, he says... What time did the star appear and how did you know this? And so by Herod's investigation, his very subtle and sneaky investigation, he figures that the child is probably about a year to a year and a half old. And to give himself some fudge factor to make sure he kills the child, he surely didn't say, well, if the child's a year and a half, I'll kill everybody up to a year and a half. No, he'd give himself probably an extra half a year at least or maybe a year. So we know that Jesus at this time is you know, a year, year and a half old, and then Herod comes and has all the children slain two years old and under in an attempt in that slaying to kill the Christ child. So we learn from this, the Magi sacrificed a great deal to coming to see Jesus. It was a huge trip, and they offered Jesus very expensive gifts. They sacrificed. Six, the Magi rejoiced to be able to see Jesus. Look at verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, not because they saw the star uh, had returned, but because in seeing the star, it led them to Jesus. That's why they're exceedingly joyful, because they've come all this way to worship the king of the Jews, and the star disappeared. Now what reappears is like, yes, this is so great. And this is the first GPS system. God positioning star. And and so it led them. It led them right to Jesus, to the very spot. Now, I don't know if it dinged when it got there and said, you have reached your destination. Um, But this was it, man. This was the first GPS, and it brought them right to the right house. And they rejoiced exceedingly because it did. Seven, the Magi visited Jesus in a house as a young child. Look at verse 11. And after coming into the house, not stable, not manger, house. Now, this just opens up a whole new can of worms. Why? Well, because of this. Do you remember where Joseph and Mary lived before Jesus was born was where? In Nazareth. We know that because of the census, they had to come down to register for the census, which means that after Jesus was born, 
they went into the temple when he was eight days old, had him circumcised. And the question is, did they go back home or not? They probably did. Unless they were so poor, they didn't have anything to go back to Nazareth to get. But he was into construction. So he probably had a lot of tools. At least I'm sure he did. He had to get his table saw, his band saw, his skill saw, all that. He had to go get it and come back down. Well, the point here is, is that somewhere in this narrative, Joseph and Mary have left their home in Nazareth and have permanently moved to Bethlehem where they decide to live there now. Of course, the census is long gone. It's not packed out anymore. There's room and they're in a house. Now, based on the age of the children Herod slaughtered, Jesus, again, is probably about a year, year and a half old. But they come there to a house to worship him. Eight, the Magi worship Jesus in humility. Look at the middle of verse 11. And they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Now, these guys, they're they're high up individuals. They're, you know, kingmakers, wise men, um, men who are really knowledgeable about the Messiah even. They've come this huge journey at a great sacrifice, bringing expensive gifts, and they fall down. They do a face plant and they worship a child who's a one and a half years old. Now, imagine what it would be like for Joseph and Mary get a knock at the door. And you open up and you say, Joseph, there's a whole bunch of people out here. There's like a whole entourage of people out here. And there's some guys that are really decked out out here. And they want to come in. Well, let them in. So these guys come in and they see Jesus, you know, in his playpen. Or whatever they did with them back then. Trying to learn how to walk. God Almighty trying to learn how to walk. And they get down. On their face. And they worship him. These important men. Wow. A toddler. A toddler. Nine, the Magi presented Jesus with costly gifts fit for a king. At the end of verse 11, we read, and then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, of course, being very expensive metal. Frankincense and myrrh, very expensive aromatic spices. And they load them up. These are, this is major. These are huge gifts. And In the providence of God, these gifts are going to fund their trip and stay in Egypt until they can return again, which is kind of neat. God provides for them as they live. And the point is, they worship the Lord with costly gifts, making a sacrifice to Jesus. Even though he was so young, he probably didn't know what was going on. Ten, the Magi received direct revelation from God. Verse 12 says, and having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod. Stop there. The Magi are not pagans. They're not from some wicked culture, some Zoroastrian cult. 
God's communing with them. He speaks to them. He's told them about the Messiah. They know the king of the Jews. They've worshipped the king of the Jews. I mean, in one sense, they're one of the first Christians. It's amazing. I mean, right behind the shepherds. The point to take away from this is that they receive some divine revelation from God. And 11, the Magi obeyed the Lord. Look at the middle of verse 12, which says the Magi left for their own country by another way. They received divine revelation and they acted upon it immediately. They were submissive to the word of God, which is the same thing as obeying God himself. Now, think about this. Think about the Magi who, you know, this is all we know about them. Matthew 2. What are these 11 things that we can learn from them and apply to our own life? They sought Jesus. You need to seek Jesus. They studied and had a knowledge about Jesus. You need to study and have a knowledge about Jesus. They followed a supernatural star to Jesus. We need to follow the supernatural providence and word of God to Jesus. They worship Jesus as God. We need to worship Jesus as God. They sacrificed to see and worship Jesus. We need to make sacrifices to see and worship Jesus. They rejoiced to worship Jesus. We need to rejoice to worship Jesus. They worship Jesus as a child, even though Jesus probably didn't even remember. And yet they still did it because it was right. We need to worship Jesus as children even though we don't understand everything, even though sometimes in our lives we don't know why this is happening, we do it because it's right. Eight, they worship Jesus in humility, and we need to worship Jesus in humility. They sacrificed, number nine, and gave Jesus time, effort, and very costly resources. We need to sacrificially give to Jesus of our time, effort, and costly resources. Ten, they knew they had received revelation from God about Jesus. We need to know that we have received revelation from God about Jesus. And they obeyed the word of the Lord, leaving by another way to return to their country. And we need to obey the word of God and do whatever it instructs us to do. And so we can see that even though we don't know much about the Magi, they're loaded with good examples for us. They're loaded as their little spot in Scripture gives us many things they did which are a great example for every one of us to follow. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for the Magi. What an incredible little story that is about them showing up. It'll be neat to see them in heaven and find out who they were and where they came from and where they got their knowledge from, what the star looked like, and just all those details. There's so much not included in the pages of Scripture. Father, I just pray that all of us here would be like the Magi. There are people here who have never fallen down to worship Jesus as God. May they do that tonight. May they turn from their sin and receive him the Lord of glory, brought down to earth as a child, now ascended and sitting on the throne again. And Father, may the rest of us be like the Magi in all these ways, that we might give you glory, might worship your Son in spirit and truth, and be an example to others.
We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.